Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. As usual, this is David uh, here with you this week. Chris cannot be with us this week. He's actually in New York uh, seeing Ryan Adams and a couple other shows, which we will talk about next week. Before I get to our guest co-host, I want to tell everybody to please uh, follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed, on iTunes, subscribe to us at Digital Killed, the radio star under the podcast option. And if you could give us a review and rate us, that will really help us. We're um, we're not far away from having some, um, uh, maybe some people that you've heard of uh, be uh, guests on our podcast. But in order to do that, we have to show um, our download history and you know, how many people are listening, and then the ratings and reviews on uh, iTunes really help us a lot. I will say this, we had 17 different countries listen to us last week with our Black Crows episode, which is really cool, and uh, it was one of our most listened to episodes. So the people that listen and subscribe, we appreciate that. So like I said, Chris could not be with us this week, so um, I got on the phone and called my longtime friend Gage Patterson in Chicago, Illinois, and asked him if he wanted to do a podcast with me. Gage is a a uh, really big music fan, so I think uh, the the banter back and forth is going to be good. We're going to talk about one of our favorite bands, and we will uh, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, anyway, Gage, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on the podcast, David. I am so excited to be joining you today. When you uh, reached out to me and asked me to join you, I'm like, this is something I think I was born to do, and uh, I look forward to some uh, discussing our. Um, our love of my morning jacket and experiences um, that the band has given us their music and uh, the live events which uh, which which they put on and I, I dare to call them concerts because they're they're more than that they're 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 true events so um, yeah I'm super I'm super looking forward to this yeah and uh, if there's anything you're born to do Gage it is talk <laughs> yes you, you can ask my wife about that <coughs> so. Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, well, Gage, before we do start talking about my morning jacket, on our debut episode, Chris and I both asked each other the same question. What's your earliest memory of music, and what is the artist or band that pretty much sent you down the uh, rabbit hole for life of, of looking uh, for good music? Yeah, you know, that's that's a really good question, and I I thought about that for a while, and I, I have to, like... I have to say it's the Rolling Stones, and, and that, that may be somewhat of a kind of, kind of a cliche type of um, answer, just because they are so popular and they are so famous. But if you like, what really drew me to them was their evolution as artists from like the mid '60s, where they're covering, um, you know, American blues music, to um, to when they started actually writing their own music and getting you know, and getting. You know, just going places where no one else was going, with Exile on Main Street, and you know, sympathy for for the devil, and just and, and things like that, and and then you know, the obvious you know stage presence of Mick Jagger and you know, and Keith Richard, the, the inability for, for for Keith Richards to die is, is also is also quite an, an, an amazing feat. But I'd have to say um, the Rolling Stones, just because they are such an enduring um, icon, and it really opened the door to other types of of music where, where, you know, you would explore the, the, the blues and, and other types of, of rock acts that were influenced by them. And, um, I mean, I never, I never actually, I never saw them in concert, but I had the opportunity to do so in 1989 on the Steel Wheels tour. I was a very, very young freshman in, uh, freshman in high school and I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time. 
and I worked as a busboy in a Mexican restaurant. And, the, and these girls who worked there who were like seniors in high school, they're like, we're going up to Seattle to see the, the Stones. Do you want to come with us? And I'm like, of course, right? I'm, 14, I'm like 13 or 14 years old, and these girls are like 17 or 18. And uh, I asked my parents, and I got a very swift and firm no. So sadly, I, uh, I, I never got to, uh, I, I've never seen them in, in live in concert. But I, um, yeah, I think, go ahead. No, you keep going. Yeah, no, and so it was just one of those things where they um, they definitely kind of opened my eyes to a, the, the ability for a band to evolve and mature and grow into their own talent. Um, since, since they started out, it's just basically a cover band, and they, and they really, and they just kind of, you know, exploded um, onto, the, onto the global rock scene as they discovered their own voices, and, and, that, and that was the, I think that was their biggest impact. Well, I, I don't think it's odd at all that that's what got you into music, because if you think about the age that our parents are, that was kind of the soundtrack to their youth, and obviously uh, you and I probably still play songs that were um, and bands that were big to us when we were 13 and 14 years old. And so that's just kind of the background soundtrack of, of growing up when we did. I, I was lucky enough to see them twice, actually in the same year. I think it was about a year apart. Saw them in um, Nashville uh, at Vanderbilt Stadium outdoors with Sheryl Crow opening. And then saw them at the Pyramid in Memphis with Johnny Lang opening. And um, you're right. You know, they start off as this blues cover band, maybe a little bit of R&B and soul. And then, you know, you get to 68 to 74 and... In, in my uh-huh. in my opinion, the best output of their career and maybe the best out six year run of any of any artist or band that we know of, uh, Exile on Main Street, Sticky Fingers, uh, Let It Bleed. Those albums were so good, especially once uh, Mick Taylor got on board with them. And you're right, Exile on Main Street has a little bit. You know, it has gospel music, it has blues, it has you know yep. cu- country, uh, just straight up rock. Uh-huh. You know, and then at the end of the 70s and early 80s, you know, they have stuff like Emotional Rescue and uh, songs like that that are were completely trying to, uh, uh, I guess, attract some of the disco crowd um, to some extent. But yeah, I, I don't think it's odd at all. Um, mine was yeah. m- mine was Prince, uh, Purple Rain. I was like seven or eight years old. And, and then, of course, in like 86... Uh, you know, the hair metal and all that came out, Bon Jovi and Poison and Def Leppard, and that's what really kind of got me into music. But it's a shame you haven't got to see them in concert. You'd think living in Chicago, you'd have plenty of opportunities to. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things, like, you know, scheduling in the line, and for whatever reason, it just it just hasn't happened. I mean, I, I, see, I go to my fair share of concerts, and, um, yeah, it just hasn't worked out, unfortunately. Um, hopefully they're going to come my, around my way soon um if uh you know they're, they're it appears that they're soft for it and ironically ironically my parents saw them uh in in the, de- in the california desert this past fall where it was the stones and it was i, I think the stones played but it was like neil young and bob dylan and a whole bunch of yeah a whole bunch of bands and it, I, I i forget the name of the uh desert trail of, of the yeah exactly I, I think the Stones played. I know. I know uh, McCartney definitely did. But, yeah, um, and uh, Roger, so, Water, Roger Waters as well. Yeah. So my parents, who are decidedly not like huge music people, they 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 went to that show because it was like twenty minutes from uh, from where their home is. 
we need to tell your dad to stop that. That cut into your inheritance. That was not that was not a cheap ticket. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Well, one one okay. one band that you and I both uh, have had the opportunity to see uh, more than once is uh, My Morning Jacket. And uh, for those of you that may be listening and never heard of My Morning Jacket, I uh, ask that you uh, give this uh, podcast a listen to, and maybe we can sell you on them. Um, they are obviously, and it's Gage and I were kind of talking beforehand. One of the things that you always see written about them is the first thing is they're from Louisville, Kentucky. And th- that's just every time you see an article, they're from Louisville, Kentucky. And then, you know, the reverb drenched sounds of Jim James. And we'll get into why they have that reputation in a minute. But they're a band that came on my radar, I guess, in 2002, 2003. At the time, I spent a lot of time on uh, different Black Crows message boards. And um, there was a lot of talk about them. And they were on uh, Conan. Uh, when the It Still uh, Moves album came out and played One Big Holiday. And, uh, Gage, you know, this was back when Jim James had that extremely long hair, and he would just have his hair down over his face when he performed. You never uh-huh. saw this guy's face. And I'm like, what's this guy hiding under there, you know? But it was, un- <laughs> it, was it was just unlike anything that I had ever heard. And I bought that album. I then bought the album before that, and it have been a fan since then. I will admit there has been a time in their career, um, last couple of albums, I haven't uh, liked as much as some of their earlier ones, but I know from talking to you, those are kind of the albums that you really like. So it's going to be an interesting discussion when we talk about these albums. So uh, I mentioned how the band came on my radar, Gage. How did they come under your radar? So, yeah, it was a little few years later than you, it was like 2006, and I was working in New York at an unnamed uh, investment bank, and uh, one of my friends there um, said, you've got to check these guys out, and he handed me a CD, and it was my morning jacket, and it was a live show, I can't remember what the, what the day was, and I, I didn't listen to it for literally like a year, I just kind of like put it in my stack of books or in my briefcase or whatever, and I didn't listen to it for a year. And then when I was planning a trip with some friends to go to Bonnaroo uh, in 2007, um, I realized that they were one of the bigger acts at Bonnaroo. So I, I, I listened to it, and I was, I was just floored. I was blown away. And because of just the, I don't know, just like the diversity of the sound and and the music, it just like, it was something, I, it was very different than what I had I, I'd previously heard. I could I could pick up like influences, like, you know, where they had been influenced, but it was, it was their own unique um, original sound that um, just kind of drew me in and wanted me to, um, to listen to it more. Yeah, you know. And I know, and, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, could finish your thought. Yeah, I mean, and it's weird, like, I'm always, I'm the type of person that prefers live music over studio albums nine times out of ten. So I like, I, I gravitated towards their live shows, which is, you know, I go on the, on the live music archive and, and listen to mostly audience recordings, maybe some soundboards. And, um, and that's where kind of like my uh, in, initial exposure was. So you mentioned seeing them at Bonnaroo. Now, was this the infamous um, to four in the morning show that they did? Yeah, so, like, I'll dive into the story right now if you want. Yeah, go right ahead. 
All right, so I'll just set the stage. Um, it was the Saturday of, of, of Bonnaroo weekend, and they were playing midnight. They're, they're, they were the late night set on the Witch stage. And for those not familiar with Bonnaroo, there's like there's like three or four tents which are named like the other tent, that tent, a couple others, and then the main stage where the headliners play is called the What stage, and the Witch stage is also big. It's just not. It's just kind of like a step down from the what stage. So they were playing the witch stage at midnight on Saturday. And so before that, me, um, Metallica played from 9 a.m. to midnight on the what stage. Now, I've never seen Metallica before, and, you know, I'm, I'm a very casual fan. I'm, I'm not a, like, My friends who I was with are huge Metallica fans from, like, way back in high school. And... So I went to the Metallica show, had a great time. The pyrotechnics were super cool. A crowd of, of 70,000 um, just, you know, just blowing up on roof. It was, it was a lot of fun. Immediately as that was over, we walked essentially, oh, I don't know, like five minutes away to the witch stage, and my money jacket started in, like, you know, uh, like, you know, five five minutes later. So it was like almost a seamless transition from, from Metallica to my morning jacket, which is really, really hard to kind of fathom, I think. But there's only one place in the world that can that can create that, and that's Bonnaroo. So um, we get to the witch stage, and, you know, I'm not even sure of, um, I'm not even sure what to expect, because I'd never seen them live before. And I, I just, just listened to some live shows, and, I had, um, in, as I saw a few things on, on YouTube, but really wasn't sure. And they come out and they open with Evil Urges, which was, um, which was the album they had released maybe a month prior. And uh, we, can, we can debate the merits of Evil, Evil Urges later, but um, they basically just absolutely floored me. And mind you, for that entire four hours, it, it rained. It did not stop raining for that entire four hours. But everyone was so dialed in, and the band was so dialed in that it was, um, you didn't even notice it. And I'm not going to run through every song that, that they played, but because um, they played, I think, 33 songs. Um, and they, even with, even with all the rain and whatnot, it, it didn't matter because the energy was, was so high. They closed the first set with One Big Holiday, with Kirk Hammett's coming on the stage and, um, and, and sitting in and playing uh, guitar for One Big Holiday. And that was just to end the second set. I mean, I was just like, during the set break, I'm like, oh my God, did that just happen? I'm like, I don't even know what to do. It's 2 a.m. and I'm so wide awake. I can't wait for, I can't wait for more. And um, it was one of those like life-changing events where you just like, you want to tell everyone about it and you want everyone you know to experience this with you at the same time because to this day, it's, it's the best show I've, I've ever seen and I've probably seen, I don't, I don't know, 500 concerts. I'm just spitballing it here. But, um, and then, you know, and they played an amazing second set. There's a, a, a Don Dante steam engine and um, they had... Uh, Zach Galifianakis dressed up as Little Orphan Annie, Annie singing um, a Motley Crue song. I can't remember the name of it. As their as their encore, as he's dancing on stage, it was very surreal. It was at 4 a.m. and 
and then they and, and then they you know and, and that was it and everyone who was like walking back to the campsite or their rv just on this like just i don't know i couldn't even feel my feet as, as i was walking back to the um to our campsite because my two friends who i saw the pocket with they left the show at probably oh, i don't know five or six songs in because they weren't like as excited to see my morning jacket as i was and uh i'm like i get out of the campsite and i'm like you guys totally totally missed out i can't explain to you how amazing it was but um it was i mean i calling something a life-changing event is you know is um might be a stretch but it certainly changed my view uh on a, what a concert experience can be and just kind of just completely blew me away and then going forward i was basically like i will travel to see this band like that's the metric i use for a good life back a good live band will you travel to see this band and the answer is like a resounding 100 yes i will travel to see this band i traveled internationally i took my family to mexico to go to go see them for for, for their uh for their trip to um Riviera Maya. um and you know while i'm talking about bonnaroo i highly like you know bonnaroo can sometimes get a bad rap um just because of you know some of the acts um that they, they, they've had lately and I don't know, depending on, on your case, maybe you're somewhat suspect. But the thing that's great about Bonnery is it exposes you to so many different types of music that you would not typically listen to or go see in concert. And I think that's the most beneficial thing about Bonnery is that it just broadens your, I guess, just, you know, your aspect of, of music. And I listen to bands that I would have never listened to. And I, you know, I got to say I saw, I saw this band or I saw this band. And I think that that's, that's a great thing. Because when I went to my first Bonnaroo, I was listening to like a ton of Grateful Dead and Fish and Watch the Panic. Obviously great music, but you know, it can get a little repetitive if that's all you really listen to. And now I, I listen to, I mean, I rarely listen to um, Fish as much as I did anymore. And I listen to just a lot, just a, a broad spectrum of music. And I think that's the greatest thing about Bonnaroo, even though it, you know, even for all sports, um, it does deliver some some great music and a lot of diversity of sound. Well, you know, you go to that first show at Bonnaroo, which that show just lives kind of in infamy. Uh, yeah. Still to this day, you hear people talking about that. And you can go on YouTube and there's plenty of, especially with uh, One Big Holiday with Kirk Hammett on there. And from the video, he just seems like he's having a blast uh, up, oh, there, yeah. up there playing, oh, yeah. that, playing that song. You know, and... and Jim James is a big heavy metal fan. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, that that had to, he really probably geeked out to that as well. You know, I saw them, I was for the first time at the Alabama Theater in Birmingham. It was in between, they were actually recording Circulatile, or however you say it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was the opening show of the tour. And they had the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. And uh, we won't mention his name, but our mutual friend that lives in Birmingham had bought a ticket and was supposed yeah. to go with me and backed out. And so uh, yeah. it was on like it was on like a Tuesday night, and I was like, I don't care if I have to go by myself. You know, I, I'm driving over there, so I, I got a hotel not far from the Alabama Theater and went by myself. Didn't know a soul there, and just had a blast. Just had a blast. And yeah. they brought the Preservation Hall Jazz Band on stage with them at the end, and they played um, Evil Urges. And if you've ever seen the Preservation Hall Jazz Band, the guy that plays the drums for them is just, he's a trip. And he had is this... Is that the dude with the big afro? Like the big afro? Uh, he's, it's the older guy. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And anyway, he was just having a having a blast, and they're just such a good live band. And since then, I've seen them at the Fox Theater in, in Atlanta um, a couple of times. And you know, we'll talk about this to uh, to an extent later on. When you see them live, they have the ability to elevate songs that are suspect or so-so on their albums to make them sound really interesting, which in my opinion mm-hmm. is, is is the mark of, of a great band. Um, a song, right. um, for instance, that uh, I, I don't care for is the opening song on that album. Um, not It's not the opening song, Victory Dance the opening song, but uh, Circulatile. How do you say it, Gage? How, how do you pronounce it? Circulatile? Yeah, okay. Um I don't like the I don't like the song uh, on the album. It sounds so awesome live, and when I've seen them, normally they play that at the beginning of the set, and it's just one of those yeah. songs that just sounds um, so much better. So what we thought we were going to do today, we're just going to go through their catalog to some extent, and then we're we're not going to talk about all the EPs that they've released and the demos. I mean, because we could spend five six hours on that. What we're going to do is, right. is just talk about their uh, you know their their major. Um, releases and and the songs on that album and what we think about it and how the band has changed and you and i had talked uh earlier last week when we were talking about doing this podcast their their first official album was the tennessee fire and and correct me if i'm wrong neither one of us are huge fans of that album right you're not a huge fan you know i'm not a huge fan like my my notes i listened to it a few times and i thought it was it was it was very stripped down um, relative to future albums. I didn't think it was like the songs were as developed um, as, you know, later later releases. And I think it was probably just a, it was a young band trying to develop their sound. Um, and the songs live sound much different than they do on on the album. Like War, like War Begun is, is, is a great example of something that that sounds um, it's just kind of taken on a life of its own in the in the live setting. Yeah, the the album they definitely didn't have a a, a big budget for. You, you know, you can tell it's a very uh, lo-fi release, and like you said, I think it's it shows somebody that's very talented, uh, kind of like a, a a young pitcher with a fastball. He can't exactly control it yet, and Jim James obviously is is one of the more talented musicians that you're going to come across. And I feel like at this point he was trying to do not really too much, but he was trying. He he didn't. I don't guess understood uh, the direction he wanted to go in. And you're right. The, these songs um, on the album. If you listen to the album, it's. I would definitely. If you're listening to this and you've never heard my morning jacket, don't go buy this one as your one to judge uh, whether you like the band or not. Because uh, it is yeah, it's definitely know, stripped down. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And also, like you know. When I was listening to this, um, I could draw some parallels to a, a younger band I've been listening to in the past couple of years called uh, New New Madrid or New Madrid, depending on where you're from. Um, they're actually an interesting band. They're out of Athens, I believe, but they had a similar sound um, that I would actually um, suggest uh, a new listener uh, to check out New Madrid. They're um, they're, they're definitely worth, worth your time. Yeah, and. This album just, you know, it, it didn't really sell well, and but they they toured with it and got a little bit of a reputation. And their next album that they put out was At Dawn, and this is where I start really um, liking them and, and liking their music. This album At Dawn uh, is 
it's got a little bit of everything on it, to be honest with you. Um, some psychedelic stuff, some just straight up rock, some you know country sounding um, songs, and they're getting a little bit more focused with uh, their their talent here. And one of the things that's interesting is, especially early on, Jim James used reverb as a, as just basically another instrument. And on this on this album, you know that really comes comes through. I have to say, uh, probably maybe my favorite My Morning Jacket song is on this album, and it's one they very rarely ever perform live. Just because I do, I absolutely love that song, and I love the song um, At Dawn. And if you listen to the lyrics of At Dawn, you got to wonder what Jim James was doing when he wrote those, uh, because yeah. they make. But this is this is one of the reasons I love my morning jacket. The lyrics to At Dawn are just silly, but the way he, yeah. the way he emotes when he sings, it just sounds like he's pouring his heart out, you know. And that song is so good; it's so good live. And go read the lyrics, and they're just they're just pretty silly. But uh, a lot of songs still played off this album. At Dawn um, gets played a lot. The way he sings is always a crowd pleaser. Bermuda Highway gets played. Uh, probably my one of my other favorite songs of theirs is Phone Went West. That gets played live, and they usually stretch that out 14 or 15 minutes uh, long when you see them in concert. So, Gage, I know At Dawn was something that you didn't have initially and from talking to you. You had to kind of go back and uh, into their back catalog when you started listening to them. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, like, At Dawn as an album, I think, is extremely strong top to bottom. Um, there's a higher production quality you can tell right away. And even though some of the lyrics might be nonsensical, uh, and I thought, I think it, to me, it feels like it's, it's more, it's more thought out. Um, I, I think that, uh, this is when, I think this is when my morning jacket starts to, uh, I don't know, it hit, hit their stride, if you will, because like at dawn, low down, Bermuda highway, um, you know, phone went west. Strangulation is a great song. Um, last song on the last track on the album. I think that, that those uh, Christmas curtain is a is a great song as well. I think that um, I think that they really start to sow the, their creative oats, if you will. And like at dawn, I've seen that open a show twice. Like that is a freaking awesome opener. Um, I don't know. It, it just for me, it's, I'm just like wow. What a because it's a it's not a high energy song by, by any stretch. But um, I think it's like I, I think I think it's a perfect opener, and um, I think I think this is kind of like a at dawn as an album. I think is a nice foreshadowing of um, of the trajectory of, of the band. Yeah, at least for the next couple albums, uh, for sure. So I, I mentioned some of my favorite songs that they play live off this album. What would you? If you had to rank three or four of yours. What would they be? Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, like, like uh, at, um, I would say at dawn, um, low down, Bermuda Highway, and Phone Run West. Like Phone Run West, as you said, as you alluded to, is an amazing song live. It clocks in at just over seven minutes on the album, but um, I've seen multiple versions um, over thirteen or fourteen minutes. And when I went to see them in Mexico, they played a version that was closer to seventeen minutes. So um, it's just got that, it's got that great, almost kind of like reggae um, vibe to it. And um, it's just, um, it's just a, and it's typically slotted towards the end of the, well, I guess towards, towards the end of the show. Well, it typically only plays one set shows, but 
um, it's typically it's slotted in the um, in the end of the um, end of the show, and it's just a uh, it's it, it's not a slow song or a fast song. It's kind of like right in between because it has you know kind of I guess more um, more measured parts. But it's got um, I don't know it, um, it it does it for me. It's it's one of my jams. Yeah, it's one of their you know really gets the crowd going um, whenever they play yep. it because like you said. They are going to jam it out, and let's talk about that for a second, Gage. They get uh, all right. Just yes or no question. No elaborating on, on this uh, at the beginning. Are they a jam band? No, I agree. And it's it's interesting. There's two bands that that I'm fans of that I feel like somehow in their early stages got lumped into the jam band category. I don't know if that was on purpose with who they toured with or not. My Morning Jacket is one, and Band of Horses is another one. And Band of Horses, they're not a jam band at all, but no. you see them kind of, you know, traveling in those circles. But My Morning Jacket has that label, and I, I don't think it's necessarily true. Like you said, Phone Went West, they, they jam out. And there's a couple other songs that they will at times extend, but for the most part, I just think they're, you know, I just think they're a good rock and roll band but you do see them labeled as a jam band and let's talk about something else we t- uh, about them being labeled you constantly yeah. see the reference to it's Neil Young meets Leonard Skinner and yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything about them that is quote unquote southern rock I don't even really know what southern rock I mean because you have people that say Almond Brothers are southern rock I don't consider that southern rock I consider like Blackfoot Leonard Skinner and you know, Marshall Tucker band and, and be, being from the South, I feel like I, I should be able to define what Southern rock is. And my morning jacket is not Southern rock, but you cannot find a review of them that does not mention they're from Louisville, the reverb, the reverb, uh, soaked voice of Jim James or Neil Young meets Leonard Skinner. And I think all of those, uh, comparisons are unfair, but unfortunately they have followed them. Um, do you get tired of that as well? Do you feel like that's just lazy, uh, lazy writing on, on the part of the reporters? Yeah, it's kind of lazy rock journalism 101. Um, I don't think that they're a jam band at all. Do they rock the hell out? Like, absolutely. A jam band is Fish, okay? When Fish takes a song 25 minutes and totally deviates from the structure of the song, and you, where you don't even know what they're playing at all, like, that's a jam band, okay? But it still keeps it cohesive. Now, My Morning Jacket, they, they rock out, but you, you, you can still tell what song is being played, in, in my mind. Now, the song might be longer, but it's not a, I don't know, it, does, it doesn't go, it's not a type two jam, if you will. Right, and they, um, and, they, and, they I, and they will occasionally, you know, segue from one song to the other. Not a lot, but occasionally, like some jam bands do. But yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. They're they're not a jam band at all. No. Well, so at dawn, we feel we both feel like uh, was a little more uh, cohesive in its um, recording and and the lyrics and the music, and that I believe. I'm not sure if they were signed to a major label yet when that happened. If they weren't, It Still Moves was definitely the first one that came out. And this is the album that really got me um, into them. Like I said, I, I read about them on a, a Black Crow's message board and then saw them on um, Conan O'Brien. This was back when he came on at you know at 1130 at night. And 
just was blown away by One Big Holiday. And that's one song that I guess if you want to say they've ever had a hit, that's their hit. Um, but unlike a lot of other bands that have, you know, quote unquote, one hit, you go see them and you don't, you know, you don't, you get tired of hearing it. This is one song that I do not get tired of hearing live. And that's One Big Holiday. It always elicits a huge response from the crowd. But this album is is really notable for the reverb. And they recorded this album in a uh, abandoned silo somewhere outside of uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And the reverb, like I said, it's just like another instrument. And if you ask me, it's it's too much on this album. We'll talk in a second about the remixed version that came out. But it muddies the lyrics up so much that I would misinterpreted several lines uh, for a number of years until I saw the actual uh, liner notes. Uh, with the uh, with the lyrics as to what they were actually talking about, and the playing, um, it's kind of muddied in the mix. Uh, the instrumentation is so uh, that's kind of the complaint on it. But even with that complaint, it is an awesome album, especially the first five songs. And the only song on this album I really skip through is number six. I will sing you songs. I just don't care for it. But the other songs, especially the songs on the back end now. You have some that are clocking in at uh, over seven minutes uh, long, and uh, I Will Sing You Songs is unfortunately nine minutes long, and I think it's the worst song on the album. But Run Through is a song uh, that really is fun live. Now, they don't always play the entire song live. There's a kind of a second part at the end that's pretty cool that you'll see them segue into, but this is a great album. I think it's their most, uh, if you want to just say straight up rock record, uh, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's not a lot of keyboards or uh, any drum loops or samples or anything else that you may hear with uh, some of their albums that come after this, but it's one that I can throw in and listen to all the way through. And all of these songs translate so well live. Dance Floors is always fun live. Uh, Rolling Back, the opening of Rolling Back, Man, it's just like you're floating in air. You know, it's just such a good song. Yep. So, Gage, I know um, you like this album, and I know you like the the songs that, uh, especially when they play them live. Which, if you look at the look at it, they still it's not uncommon to hear. You know, for all of these songs to be played on a tour. Uh, what are your thoughts on? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could hear all these songs in one night. I mean, look, I mean, really, you you could. I mean, they they play almost all of these songs. Well, maybe not one and the same, but they play all of them regularly. And I think this is an album. This is the album where my morning jacket landed their flag in the rock landscape, in the music landscape, and said, "You are going to pay attention to us now." And like this, how I hear you. This album, top to bottom, you're not going to get sick and tired. You will not get sick and tired of this album. There's something new that you will pick up. You know, you know, maybe not every time, but every other time you listen to it because it warrants multiple listens. And um, actually, you know, you, you mentioned I Will Sing You Songs as being your, your, your least favorite. Like, I don't mind that song. It's kind of, you know, it, it, you know it's kind of a bit of a come down. Um, but they still play that song, like, very regularly. Um, right. I think I saw it when I saw it, when I saw it at Red Rocks for, for two shows over Memorial Day last year, almost a year ago. And um, they, they definitely played it. And it was actually, it was just, it was perfectly slotted in, in the set list that, that it works. But like Master Plan is absolutely one of my favorite songs um, that I wish that they would, they would play more. But, but speaking of the album, 
album as a whole, I think this is where they really showed their confidence in their talents. And um, I felt that it was a much kind of, um, it was classic my, my, my morning jacket and it had more of an edge. And you, and you mentioned Run Through. My morning jacket had never recorded something like Run Through until this album. And it was just, it was more of an edge. It was, it was more of, a, of an overall rock vibe as opposed to maybe more of a quote-unquote country-ish, country-ish rock, rock vibe um, where, where people would, would throw the Neil Young uh, comparisons in because I, I think that those are long since gone. But um, this is an album that you can listen to over and over. And I, I actually have it on, on vinyl. Um, you know, I, I, I don't buy every album that I listen to on vinyl, only ones that I... I'll listen to over and over, if that says anything. Yeah, you're right. Master Plan, man, that just has such a smooth groove um, to mm-hmm. it. Um, I love that song. Uh, the opening song, My Guitar. I, man, right. lie, the, if the, if you if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet whenever you hear that song live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I totally it, agree. It's just awesome. And Dance Floors is just such a fun song. And we mentioned one of the complaints on it is the, the aspect of how much reverb is is on the album and last year they actually uh remixed now not remastered remixed and there's a difference in that remastered usually you just uh you sweeten up um some of the sound and maybe bring the volume up on it they remixed it and when they remixed it they reduced the amount of reverb on jim james's voice and they added uh, the guitars a little bit higher in the mix and they they took some of the reverb sound off of them and they have a little bit more of a crunch to them, and when if you listen to the um, remixed versions of this of the songs on this album, it's much easier for me to understand what Jim James is saying. And I'm not always gonna be one that says go out and you know buy the deluxe or the remastered, but this is one that you can really tell a difference, and and I think for the best um, because it's what I listen to now. I do not listen to the old version. But if I if someone was going to say, hey, I want to listen to my morning jacket, this is one of the uh, two albums I would send them to, depending on their taste. If I knew they're kind of a classic rock fan, I would say go with this. If they're a little more into uh, more contemporary sounding music, I'd probably suggest Z, uh, which is the next album that we'll talk about. But Gage, do, uh-huh. you, do you listen to the remastered and remixed version, or uh, do you just still listen you to the what? old version? I have I have yet to listen to this remix version, and is it on Spotify or, or is this something you have to buy? It, it's on, it's on Spotify and it's on um, iTunes. It has it comes with a second album of demos. I mean, yeah, a second CD of demos. And uh, for a while, Amazon did not have it, and I had listened to it on oh, iTunes, it on, on iTunes and Spotify. But I actually ordered it on Amazon the other day to be here tomorrow. But I I love it. It it sounds so much better to me, and uh, it, it eliminates some of the confusion with with his voice and, and you know and his lyrics. And now, was this the first album? I don't have you know the uh, liner notes or anything in front of me. Is this the first album that Carl played on, on as as playing guitar? Do you know? You know, I believe it is. I know that I can't remember the uh, the, the dude's name. Um, or the two guys that left the band in 2004. Right. So whenever those, so this was released in 2003. This is, no, I think this is the last album before Carl. Okay. And uh, they, they got a lot of airplay on this one. Um, 
One Big Holiday. That was on a Coors commercial. Is that right, Gage? Am I remembering that correctly? I think so. I mean, I, I've heard like I heard it on the American Idol intro, like when Seacrest is like visiting the home of one of the finalists. They played like One Big Holiday as intro music, which I thought was so bizarre. So Gage Patterson just admitted that he listened, watched. Uh, um, Ryan Seacrest, American, American Idol. I have, I, I, I have no shame to admit that I at one time watched American Idol. Now, I have, now in all fairness, I haven't watched American Idol in probably seven or eight years. But um, I just saw that there that ABC is going to uh, start airing it with Seacrest, and um, and my daughter is nine years old, so I think she would probably get a huge kick out of it. So I might have to start watching it again. Well, let me even, though, even though I know it's all. Like, I that. Let me let me bounce this off of you because my wife I've I've talked my wife to death over this. I think the American Idol concept would be great to do with bands. What what do you think? Well, no, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And like, I don't get like, uh, do they let them use instruments now? So, um, I have. I mean, I, I haven't watched a lot of the show. I think in later years they yeah. would they would let some of them use a guitar or a piano. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm much more. I would prefer them to like be able to cover like different types of music. It seems like you hear the same songs over and over. Um, like I don't know. That, that that's like my my main complaint. Um, and like back when like Carrie Underwood and Bo Lights were, were the finalists, like I thought that was really really good because like Carrie Underwood is obviously very talented. I mean I don't listen to her music, but you know she's talented. And Bo Lights I thought was awesome. Like that was like okay I can I can. I'm picking up what he's putting down. He covered, I think he covered a whipping post, like in one of like the, like a semifinal. I'm like, who does that? Uh, who does that on uh, American Idol? Right. No one covers a whipping post. So, um, yeah, I thought that that was super cool, but I am, yeah, I haven't watched it in many, many years. Well, we're both in agreement that uh, It Still Moves is one of their better albums, it sounds like. Uh, would you, yes. if you, if you were ranking their al- studio albums, where, where would this one fall? This would be, might be like number, number two. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think depending on the day, it would be the number one or number two in my book. And and like we said, this, these songs still get played. Like you said, you, there's a chance you could hear all of these in one night and um, they still get played. They elicit a great response. And they toured extensively uh, on this album and really kind of started to build a uh, following. And this is where the band gets interesting because if they uh, if they didn't name themselves My Morning Jacket, Chameleon may have been a great name for them because they start with this album that we're about to talk about, Z. They start changing every album. And there's a lot of... Uh, it's not a consistent sound or even really a consistent type of music, in my opinion, that is going to go from album to album uh, from here on out, at least into where we are now. So Z comes, right. out, Z comes out, there's a lot of buzz about this record, uh, a lot of publicity. Um, you got a lot of write-ups and you know big, big music magazines before it ever came out. And it's totally different, in my opinion, than It Still Moves. And when I, f- I remember when I first put it in, I'm kind of big on trying not to listen to albums until the day they come out. And so I, I remember I got the CD, I put it in, and a wordless chorus came on. I was like, what is this? This isn't It Still Moves, you know? 
And as I went through, yeah. as I went through the track by track, I was like, uh, man, I don't know this, you know, this isn't uh this isn't, it still moves. But then about the second or third listen, when I wasn't judging it based on it still moves, I was like, this is really good. And it has stayed really good in my mind ever since. Oh yeah. And it's just the, the song, the songwriting is so much better. And I, I believe he starts using more personal lyrics um, with this album, especially with Dundante. Um, you know, that's about a friend of his that died. And I think What a Wonderful Man is about the same person. But they they were all over the TV for this one. And uh, off the record, got a lot of play. It has a cool video. Um, Gage, I really like this album. Before I go into any more specifics on it, uh, tell everybody what you think about it. Yeah, this is uh, this is a pretty amazing album, and for a couple of different reasons. I mean, just just consider the title of the first song, "Wordless Chorus." It, the song literally is a wordless chorus. I mean, you know that just I what they're displaying to me in, in this album is like they had their confidence level was off the charts when they wrote this album. They took their sound in a much different direction and they were able to execute that in a way that was, um, that challenged people's preconceived notions of, of them in a, in a good way. And, and, and it, it kept their core fan base and drew new fans in because it was such an original sound. And, you know, if you just look at this track list, I mean, like, even though we said, you know, It Still Moves is like, was like V, my morning check album. Like, you can say this about V, even though they sound totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, like the, the, um, the intro to, to Lay Low, that gets me every single time, you know? It's just like, it's just that, that, that bass hits you like a ton of bricks. Um, I really, I don't, I, I can't say enough good things about this album because like, like it, like it, it beats for you. It's just, it's just a, a really, I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's hard, hard to describe. It's, it's, a, it's a very different song, and it's, um, it kind of just, it, it moves you and kind of affects you in a way that other music can't or won't because this is just so original, and, it's, um, and, and it came out at a time when, in 2005, where, I don't know, I mean, like, outside of Radiohead, in this genre, I don't think there was there was much really challenging listeners. Like I think like I think this album challenges you to to you know listen to their music in a different way and maybe like and maybe um, appreciate music that you typically wouldn't listen to. Yeah, I think this is their. I know this is a rock cliche to get thrown out around a lot, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and preface that with I admit that this is their Sergeant Pepper's, and yeah. it it it's such a good album whereas it still moves had one song on it that i told you i don't like there's nothing on this album that i that i do not like i like every song right. on it. there's some obviously i like more than others but if i were gonna go on the star rating system um i would say uh my least favorite song on here was three stars and so that's not bad that means everything else is four or five stars and yeah. I, I i agree with you wordless chorus as a song first song on the album that's ballsy that's confidence. Yeah. And it works. You know, it may not work for other bands if they tried it, but um, 
Now, do you remember the controversy around this album with the uh, copyright protection um, issue? No, I don't. Okay, so you know this is a this is when Napster and file sharing and everything. I think Napster had already been brought to its knees, but you know streaming and uh, people burning CDs and things like that were really starting to affect the music industry. And so, unbeknownst to the band, this was this album was fitted with a technology in which they it could not be uh, burned. So, you, mm, you, yeah, you could not do that. Well, the band did not know that. Uh, the, reportedly, the band did not know that until it came out. And there was this huge backlash. And so I think my morning jacket made the label go back and uh, take that t- technology off the uh, future uh, albums that were made, uh, the copies that were made of this. And I, if I'm wrong on this, somebody will, I'm sure will point it out to me. But I believe they had it set up to where you could send the album back in and they would send you one that did not have that issue. Which uh, really, yeah, and so that that that's interesting, you know, that they're kind of, uh, you know, maybe hurting themselves financially by doing that, but they just felt like that wasn't fair to the fans. And I saw a couple of interviews. I think Jim James was pretty irate about it, which uh, you have to respect that, you know. Um, now I can understand. I certainly I'm all about artists getting paid and and people not stealing music. I can understand them doing that, but you know, at the time they didn't have the clout of Metallica. Metallica could do that and yeah, if they lost a few hundred thousand fans that really wasn't going to hurt uh, their bottom line all that much my morning jacket that could be huge um, oh yeah to them but uh, to get back to the album um, a lot of these songs still get played live I don't know if I've ever seen a set list uh, maybe other than once or twice that had Into the Woods on it have you Gage? you know what I don't think I've ever seen that song live yeah so if it, I don't I think I've seen it once, um, but anytime did you did you see them when they performed on um, late night television? They played anytime. Did you see that when that came out? No, I did not. And my I my job starts very early in the morning, so I never watch late night TV. Um, but yeah, no, I have not. Well, they do. There's a song on here we talked about songs that sound much better live than on the album. Uh, this has a great example of that. Uh, track number three, Gideon. Live is yeah. is kind of like yeah. at dark. It's just so uh, at dawn. I'm sorry. It's so much emotion in it. Not necessarily in what he's saying, but how he is saying it. Uh, that is just awesome live. That that's to me is if I had to pick one on here that sounds a lot better live than does the album, it'd be Gideon. Yeah, Gideon's awesome live. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't go wrong there whatsoever. It's just um, it's a it's a short, quick hitter. But um, it gets you off your seat. Yeah, and if I you never should have been in in the first place. And I, uh, if I had to, if there's a lesser known track on here that I like that I necessarily don't hear a lot of people talking about, I love "Not Comes Loose." Just a laid back tune, uh, track number nine. Yeah, I've seen that a couple times actually, and that is a very under the radar song. um, Just because you know the other other songs on this album just kind of just are overwhelming. And so I get, it sounds like we're both in agreement. Uh, this is either number one or number two um, in their catalog for us. Yeah, it's it's up there. Well, they toured extensively with it, got a lot of mainstream exposure. Uh, that video for Off the Record was was a pretty cool video. Uh, it made the rounds, got uh, you know shared a lot on the internet, and they took a little bit of time off after that and came back with an album that I really want to talk about. Um, evil urges and 
I'll admit, when I got this album in the mail and I put it on, I was like, well, that's it. They're done. Um, this, I was just like, what is this? Especially like Highly Suspicious and, you know, The Librarian and, and some of the, the, the songs on here. And I was just like, man, I don't know. And, you know, I still listened to it and I, I, I came to like four or five songs. But this album has aged like a fine wine in my mind. Um, it has gotten a lot better. There's still some filler on there that if I could get rid of it, I'd get rid of it and never hear it again. But this song, this album has really aged well. And some of these songs live are just some of their epics that you'll see. Just epic songs live. So, Gage, I know you have mentioned to me in the past, you think this is a criminally underrated album. So the floor is yours yeah. to uh, give your spill on that. Yeah, so this is the like this is the first album I kind of worked back to front, if you will, or front to back. You know, you look at it. This is the first studio, studio album I really dug into of theirs because that's when I first started listening to them. You know, um, quite a bit, and I thought Evil Urges was a super cool album. Now, before I get into get into it too much, like Two Has and Librarian, I think are terrible songs. Like they have no business being on this album. Like if they were gone. It, it would still be a good album. They're just they're just not good. But that said, the the direction that they took this album, I think I think you can see a lot of Prince influences um, from them in this album, and I think it is a much more highly produced album. Right? I, I think you can obviously see the amount of studio work that that went into producing this album, and I think that. Um, like, I don't know, like, I listened to it um, in its entirety a couple of days ago, and I'm like, this is really, really good. And, like, and when you when you look at the track list, like, Smoking from Shooting, the 12th song out, out of 13, that song blows you away live. Like, absolutely. That's, that's one of those, um, it's one of those songs where it's, it's a good, it's a good song on album, but it's, like, one of the highlights that you'll see at, at a concert that you'll be talking about as you're walking out of, out of the show. And I think that, um, you know, overall, the, I don't know, it's, it's hard to, like, to kind of pinpoint what they were trying to accomplish with, with so many songs. So I feel like they're kind of all over the place, right? Um, like, you know, highly suspicious. Initially, when I listened to it, I was just kind of like, what is this? And then, the, like, you know, peanut butter, peanut butter pudding surprise, right? And um, the, when you see it live, it's one of those things where it's like typically like in an encore slot now and it's kind of just evolved and matured to a point where people crave to hear it. When I think initially, I think people didn't like it at all. And, you know, and I think also with this album, you have just a real diversity of sound, like evil urges, um, touching on going to scream, highly suspicious are all kind of like, um, I'm trying to think of like, a genre. I don't know there's really a genre, but it's just more kind of like a, um, I don't know, kind of just a more, not techno sound, but you know what I'm trying to say? It's just more kind of like produced. Well, right? and, it's and, just, and Evil Urges has a little bit of a hint of reggae in it. Um, during, yeah, it does. Yeah, it, you know, it how, does. how it breaks down there uh, during the verses. Anyway, keep, keep on. Yeah, and then and then you get to like songs like Thank You Too and Sec Walkin'. I mean, those are just like vast... Like, like a total 180 from the first three songs of the album. And they're, um, you know, which, which you need 
like Seth Walking kind of harkens back, I think, to their their earlier days, and it's a, it's a little bit more of a of a country country rock vibe to it. And then two halves and librarian. I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, <laughs> <with you>. um, <laughs> I mean, like uh, look at you. Um, I like that song, but whenever I I listen to it, I think of um, a former president because if you listen to the lyrics and when it was released. I almost think it was like a campaign song for, for Obama, and I don't know. So depending on what your political leanings are, you might love it or you might not like it. Um, but that's what I think about when I listen to that song. And then, you know, Aluminum Park is a is a great rocker. It's not played very much live, um, uh, and at least uh, I, I haven't seen, seen it much. And then um, I think the... Um, I think the album ends really, really strongly with Smoker from Shooting and Touch Me, I'm Going to Scream Part 2, which um, I think, you know, Smoker from like I said, is a, is a, is a great uh, live song. Also, Touch Me, I'm Going to Scream Part 2, typically played um, in, in, in one of the encore slots. And I, I think if this, was, this was my morning jacket, you know, using some political capital that they built up from Z. And, and the great feedback that they received from fans and critics alike for taking a different um, route for a newer sound with Z. And then they just pushed the envelope even further with evil urges, and this is what we got. And I think it's great. Yeah, I think I think you're right. They they were coming off the success, building success from It Still Moves into Z and had really you know developed a good name for themselves and got in the studio and you know, decided to, to experiment with things. I think a lot of times, uh, you may think this is an unfair comparison, but I, I put Ryan Adams and Jim James in the same category. They're, they're musical geniuses, but at times they need a filter. And uh-huh. um, thank you to Sec Walking and Two Halves, that filter should have been in place. Um, yeah. That, that to me... And librarian and 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 look at you, that breakdown right there. Those four songs is really, unfortunately, when I when I think about this album for whatever reason, it comes to the forefront. I'm like I don't like those, but uh, a song that you left out that is awesome live is I'm amazed. Really gets oh, yeah, really yeah. really, and that's just it's probably the most conventional. It and Aluminum Park are probably the two most conventional rock sounding songs on the album, but. Touch Me, I'm Going to Scream Parts 1 and 2 are completely unlike anything else they had done up until this point and really haven't done anything like them since. And live, they're so good. Uh, you know, Touch Me, I'm Going to Scream Part 2, drop somebody in for that song, I could see how they may think they are a jam band. Now, it's a different type of uh, long song than you would hear from, like, say, Prince. I'm not Prince, A Fish or, or Widespread. But it's a very... Uh, very unique, interesting song. But Evil Urges for me is the song that's grown on me the most on this album. I hated the song when it first came out. And after seeing really? it, uh, yes, after seeing it live with the uh, Preservation Hall Jazz Band playing it with them, ever since then, it's one of my, you know, it's one of my favorite <laughs> songs. Highly suspicious. I'll give it to you. It's entertaining when you see it live, you know. And and we yeah. can talk, we need to talk about this song. There's many different voices of Jim James. Um, this guy, I mean, he might as well be a ventriloquist or something like that. And this is one of those uh, songs where he, uh, sings, uh, 
pretty high up uh, with a falsetto. Sometimes I think he overdoes that, but this album has a, basically every voice that he sings in on it. But I'm I'm with you. It's a it's a really good album that um, they took a big chance on, and um, I think I think I'm probably the um, norm when it comes to this amongst their fans. Is it took a while for it to grow on me, and now I would I would rate it as probably my third favorite album of theirs. Yeah, I, I would say it's like number number three or or number four um, for me, and um, I would. I think it's one of those things. It's just yeah, it's they've got some great hits in here, but they got some misses too. Well, speaking of misses, I'm going to let you uh, talk about the next album because I think it has a lot of misses on it. So why don't you uh, tell everybody okay. what it is? Circuital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you know, Circuital uh, is, is a little divisive. Um, I think that it's uh, it's a little bit uneven. Um, and I'm not really sure what they're trying to do here, but I think that, um, I like the title track. I think it's a, it, it, it's a good song. It's got the acoustic guitar in it, but, um, when, when you, when you see it live, Victor Dance actually absolutely crushes live. And, um, another song that you may not like on the album, which is an amazing live is Slow Slow Tim. So getting that out of the way, um, I felt like the lyrics in some of these songs, such as The Day Is Coming, uh, Out of My System, First Light, um, I thought they were just kind of lazy, for lack of a better term. I didn't think um, it, they were, it was, it was super deep. Um, but, uh, the Day Is Coming as well. Like, I think that there's, a, there's about four or five clunkers on this, um, on this album that... Um, just don't work for me. And um, this album as a whole does not get much play um, at my house. Um, like I said, the songs I listen to would be Victor Dance, Circuital. Wonderful the Way I Feel is a great song. I'd heard it a bunch. Um, Jim James uh, did this uh, live uh, solo before they, they um, released it on this album, so I was very familiar with that song already. And holding on to black metal, uh, is is I would put that in the same bucket as highly suspicious, where it's you know it's kind of a different song that takes some getting used to, but it's really really good live. Um, I think my overall takeaway would be a pretty uneven effort um, with some with some highlights because there's Memory and Jack is going to have that because they just they have too much talent not to have a highlight on an album right and the to me the best thing about it is the album cover <laughs> I, yeah, I, cool. I love the album cover and i actually bought the uh the vinyl of this when it came out and we did an episode previous episode on favorite album covers and it made my top 10 I, i'm like you there there are a couple of songs on here that are that are above average but um the song that really disappointed me the most when i saw the title and then listened to it was you want to freak out I was thinking, oh, th- th- this has got awesome written all over it. And then for me, it, it just didn't. But uh, Slow, Slow Tune and Moving Away and First Light are just, in my opinion, are just bad. Uh, I agree with you. Wonderful. You don't, you don't like Slow, Slow, Slow Tune live, though? It's a great live, live uh, I've, well, I've never seen song. Them, I've never seen them perform that live. And uh, okay. and so when I'm listening to a live recording, I, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I just skip through it. But 
Out of My System. I actually like this song a lot. It sounds good live. It's kind of fun. Victory Dance uh-huh. is fun. Um, one of the things I've always thought that's neat about Jim James, it seems like every tour there's something different about his wardrobe that's consistent. Yes. And uh, yes. was this the tour where he basically had the washcloth on his head? Um, yes, it was. It was absolutely. So he was wearing the wash, basically like a you know overgrown washcloth on his head with um, a brown vest, a navy blue sh- uh, button-up shirt, and brown like pants, like brown polyester pants and boots. Every show it seemed like, and it seemed like they most often open with Victory Dance, which is another song that's live, is very good. Uh, and for yes. this, it's one of the better songs on this album, but for me, that's still not all that great. They they took a, a lot of time off after this album. I think they toured a lot. Mm-hmm. There was some uh, concern amongst the fans. Um, where are we going, you know, with, with the way this album came out? Because there was a lot of, you know, interest after the previous three, and they, like we said they completely changed um, their sound. And it wasn't, it was for four years later that they issued the waterfall. Now um, I'll admit there's still some songs on this album that don't really do anything for me, but I think uh, the waterfall is a return to uh, what I like about them. I saw them um, back to back nights at the Fox theater in Atlanta on this tour. I guess it's about two years ago now. And it's a much more, I think it's probably his most personal uh, My Morning Jacket album as far as Jim James writing lyrics. Would you agree with that, Gage? Yeah, it it, it seems like it. And I think this kind of stems from um, his, when he fell off the stage in 2008 um, in, I believe it was Des Moines, Iowa, or it was somewhere in Iowa. I think he was in a pretty dark place. And um, while that was a couple, that was one album removed from this one, um, I read in a few interviews that, you know, it, um, it kind of snapped him back into reality. And, um, and so this, like, this album for me is very uplifting. And I think that um, if you just look at the, if you just read the names of the songs, you know, Believes, Like a River, In Its, infant, in its Infancy, at the point, spring among among the, the living, big decisions. Like, th- like in my mind, like this is an album I like to listen to on, on a Sunday morning because it puts me in a, in a, in a pretty good mood, and it, at the same time, I think overall, I think it's a pretty mellow album, and it's it's, it's very relaxing to listen to. Um, I think from from top to bottom, is it my favorite my Morning Jacket album? No. Um, do some of the songs sound better live? Yes, as as per usual for for my morning jacket, um, Tropics being one of those songs that's really really good live, um, and I think that um, you know also when they were recording this, I had heard that they had actually recorded a whole other album while they recorded this, so I think they already have another album like on the shelf. Like, well, there seems there seems to be some. Um controversy around that I, I you oh. right when they did that uh press tour it was basically like we've got another one in the can it's going to come out next year and i've recently read that they're only going to use a few songs from those sessions and if they're writing uh new material and if i remember correctly they said the songs that they left off um when they originally recorded them were going to be more r&b leaning and so if that's okay. if that's the case then um, 
I'm, I'm okay with them maybe uh, <laughs> reworking some or, or writing some new ones. I don't think an entire album of, of that style of music for me would be something I would listen to a lot. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, it, it may come out and be awesome. But I agree with you. The, the album's more uplifting. Uh, the opening song, Believe, Nobody Knows, to me, live. is one. Of, that and Tropics are the two that uh, get elevated live when you hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were, if somebody was not li- had never listened to them, um, My Morning Jacket, the second song on the album, Compound Fracture, would be one of the songs I would let them listen to. It's very accessible. Um, has a yeah. has a cool groove and beat to it, and uh, the deluxe edition actually has a completely di- different uh, mixed version than that one. But the only really, to me, the only really down song on there is number five. Get the point, and that that almost sounds like he's talking to somebody in his life. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of a weird one for me. Yeah, it, it, it's um, it doesn't it doesn't get a whole lot of play in my house. Well, you saw them on this tour, correct? Yeah, I saw them. I saw them twice. I saw them in, in Chicago, and then would, would last May qualify as 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 the um, Waterfall tour? It would in my book. Okay, so I saw them three times. So I saw them twice at, at Red Rocks, and um, I mean, you know, they were great. And I lo- I think these songs translate translate well live, um, and. As long as they're slotted appropriately in a set list, like like a river in its infancy, you know, as long as they're like not like open like you know, show openers or after a, after another slower song, I think that they totally work really really well. And um, you know, one thing that you know, speaking about live my mind jacket shows is Jim James is much less mobile than he used to be on the stage. When I say much less mobile. I, I'm saying I'm not the fact that he can't move around. He just doesn't move around as, as, as much as he does. There's no knee slide um, during wordless chorus anymore. Um, and I think that that's a function of the fall he took in 2008 in, in Iowa. Um, although he has done it since then. I actually saw him do, uh, do a double knee slide in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, in, uh, spring 2010. Um, but... The shows still rock. Jim doesn't move around as much um, on stage as, as he used to. Not to say it's not like a show. It's just a, just it's just a little different. Yeah, that's true. You know, when they first came out, especially with It Still Moves, if you saw them perform live and you turned the volume down and did not know what they were playing, they almost looked like a, a thrash metal band with the head banging they would do. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that's a function of them getting a little bit older and a little bit more mature and feeling like they don't need to put on some big physical display for people to notice them and listen to their music. It's like the, the, the music stands on its own. Right. It doesn't need to be any bells and whistles. Well, his wardrobe of choice for this tour was an oversized sun hat and some uh, uh, questionable sunglasses as whether they were female or male in my opinion what, what was your thoughts on his yeah, his yeah he, he also wore he also wore this like horrible multicolored um sport coat where and he would and he had no and he just had like a short sleeve shirt underneath it and it's almost like the sleeves were like basically two inches too short and there was no shirt that like went underneath it it just really bothered me for some reason. I don't know why. But yeah, the sunglasses were pretty bad. But that's just Jim being Jim and you know, he's gonna he's gonna do his do his thing. I mean, like on the on the Secretal tour, he had um 
he had the you know, like the, uh, the old video game Duck Hunt. Right. He had like he had a holster with like one of the, like like the Duck Hunt gun, and he would like point at the crowd and. And when I, thing. Just, I, I saw them on that tour, and when it came to, they played smoking from shooting. He would pull the duck hunt uh, gun out, and then put it back yeah, in his holster. It, yeah, it's just it's just Jim being Jim. Like, look, what you need to realize is Jim is a rock star, and he has his rock star persona. And uh, I have no illusions of him being like a guy you can have a beer with at the end of the bar. Like, he's just kind of out there, and he's a super creative guy. And uh, he's a rock star, man. Well, you know, we've gone this whole podcast, and we haven't really mentioned the other members of the band, which are, in my opinion, very important. Uh, you have Tommy, mm-hmm. on, Tommy on bass, Carl on guitar, Patrick on drums, and then the keyboard player's name is eluding me at the moment. It's Bo. Yeah. Bo Costner, I, I want to say. Yeah. They are all very good musicians, and... One of the more entertaining things about seeing them play live is watching Patrick on the drum kit. Uh, this is a yeah, he, man. This is a big guy, man. He hits he hits the skins hard. Yeah, that dude's like six three, probably two fifty at least. Maybe I mean, like he's just he's a big dude, and uh, like he's just totally into it. He's got his hair. He kind of looks like a lion almost with right. his hair and his beard. Um, yeah, I mean he's totally into it. He's super high energy all the time. He's he's a huge part of the huge part of the band. He's been with he's known Jim since they were like in fourth grade. He's been with them since the beginning. Um, and yeah, no, he, he's a big part of it. Also, you know, also Carl, even though he came in in two thousand four, two thousand five before the record Z, um, his talents are very evident, and his versatility uh, playing the sax on Don Dante, uh, you know, at, at, at the end of the song and be able to play up. Uh, pedal steel during I think they played that in Golden. Um, but right. I, I've definitely seen them play pedal steel multiple times. Well, Gage, we've talked about their discography. Uh, I think it'd uh, be well served for us to talk for a few minutes about them um, live. And as yeah. you mentioned at the top of the show, they're consistently one of the top four or five live touring bands out there, in my opinion. And one of the great things about them. They're not afraid to do cover songs, and uh, I know I had asked sent you a text during the week. I was like, "Give me four or five of your favorite songs that you like that they cover, and uh, we'll discuss that aspect of them of of their show." And so, uh, do you have a couple that are that are kind of your favorites to hear? I do, I do, and my number one, like no question, favorite cover song is "Oh Sweet Nothing" uh, by Velvet by Velvet Underground. I mean, if you get OC nothing in a show, like that's an awesome show. Like, and it's just—I don't know, man. It just—it just—it just takes me to that place. And they do such a good job with it, and they draw it out, and they're very patient. And um, it's just—I mean, it's just a great song, anyways. No matter who plays it, but but they give it a really great—they um, do a really great great version of it. They played it at the first show I saw at Bonnaroo in '08, and um, it just blew me away. I mean that, like hands down, that is my favorite cover of theirs. Um, second would be Rocket Man um, by Elton John by Bernie Taupin, and um, that's just I, I don't know. It's just like it's a um, it's an un- somewhat of an unexpected cover, but they but they pulled off really really well. I think that Jim James' voice uh, translates really really well to, to the song. And um, it's something that it's a song that everyone knows, right? Like everyone knows the song Rocket Man, 
and and when they play, and it's not a song that you see though covered very often by by any bands that I can really think of. And when and when when they cover it, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a crowd sing along, you know. And it just um, it puts everyone in a in a really good good mood. Um, conversely, my third choice would be Tyrone by Erica Baidu, and somewhat you know somewhat. Um, Interesting is that the song is is, is uh, taken from the um, the perspective of, of a woman, so as if a, a woman is singing a song about you know being kind of like a, a jilted lover and um, and uh, her, her her man problems. But but Jim James, but Jim James that, that doesn't stop him from uh, from singing that uh, that song. And it's a uh, it's a pretty cool tune that maybe not as many people know. And uh, actually, Erica, if I do that on stage with them and sang it with them. I want to say it was in Dallas, like in 2011 or something. Um, but I think uh, I, I, I enjoy that um, live one when they cover it. Yeah, the, the cover songs are great. I'm in complete agreement with you on um, Oh Sweet Nothing. Love that love that song. The Black Crows do it uh, just as well, in my opinion, as my morning jacket. But I, I was I was glad to hear you say that was by far your favorite one. I uh, agree with you yeah. on, on Rocket Man. One you didn't mention, uh, it's kind of cheesy, but man, when I hear it, it's so much fun. And that's the Lionel Richie classic, All Night Long. Um, oh, yeah. I saw them I saw them do that in Mexico in 2014. Yes. I, 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 I love that. I have a uh, show of theirs from New Year's Eve in New York a couple of years ago, and they played that. And I think they also played Celebrate by Cool and the Gang. But yeah, you're right. You never know what you're going to hear. And I just downloaded one of the shows from the uh, One Big Holiday, which is a, um, a three or four day long, um, I guess, concert or, or maybe mini festival that they put on. It's it's in Mexico. Is that right, Gage? Yeah, yeah it's in Rivera Maya. It's, a, it's an hour south of Cancun. And basically, um, my morning jacket um, has the uh, hard rock um, resort basically rented out for for four days or maybe five days, and you know the only people staying at the resort have bought the tickets for for the shows, and the um and it's my but that morning jacket will be a couple a couple other supporting acts, and the year we went there, um, uh, not the Violent Femmes. Oh my God, it's totally escaping me. Wayne Coyne is the lead singer. Help me out. Flaming okay. Lips. Flaming Lips. So it was, it was Flaming Lips, and Preservation Hall Jazz Band was there. Um, they had Thievery Corporation did some late night stuff, um, like kind of dance party, and it was like it was awesome because like the the, the stage is in this courtyard, and there's maybe 1,200 people there, and in that in that courtyard is, is like basically there's like bars on either side, and in the back there's like a buffet. And then you have the dudes working at the um, at the resort. They'll walk around with like, like just like you know trays of beers. You just grab off the trays and walk around because everything's all inclusive, anyways. And the bathrooms are like ten steps away. There's no line for. It's just like and you just walk back to your room. I mean, it's like the perfect setup. And then during the day, you hang out by the pool, and you may see you know members of the band like my uh, myself and my wife and daughters shared a moment with, with Wayne Coyne and his 22-year-old girlfriend while we were checking out Iguanas. You know, it's very, very just, like, surreal experience. But, um, but it was, uh, yeah, I mean, like, like if, if you love the band and you've thought about, hey, this might be something cool to do and you haven't done it, do it. You will not be disappointed. It is just 
an amazing experience. Well, like I said, I, I downloaded one of the shows that they just did, and they do a Purple Rain by Prince, and man, it's it's really good. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but it's really really good. Well, Gage, um, you have passed with flying colors, my friend. Um, awesome. Very very good job as our first co-host, and uh, I'll tell you, I'll go ahead and tell you now. Uh, next time Chris can't um, can't be with us, uh, you'll you'll get the call from the bullpen. We'll call for the. Are you left-handed or right-handed? Uh, I am right-handed, so okay. I'll have to. You know, I'll, I'll start. I'll, I'll start warming up, and uh, yeah, if, if I get the call in the late innings, just you know, give me the uh, signal. Yeah. Well, Gage. Uh, before we sign off, why don't you uh, just run through maybe uh, some of your other favorite bands that you listen to a lot, other than My Morning Jacket. Yeah, so like like I was mentioning earlier about Bonnaroo and how it exposes you to to new music that you wouldn't typically listen to. I've got a couple that I've been listening to a lot lately, and this is totally they don't sound like my morning jack at all. But there's a husband and wife duo called Shovels and Rope, and um, I would put them in the Americana category. Uh, great songwriting, um, just. You know, I, I just uh, truly an, an, an American sound. They are an American band. And, um, you know, you have a husband and wife duo, so you have a female and male voice. Um, and great kind of, um, great sound writing. That's, I, I, it's, it's not country. It's, it's Americana. I, I think it's, it, you, you could put it in the Jason Is- Isbell bucket. And I, I don't do that lightly because Jason Isbell is one of my all-time favorite artists. So Shovel's Rope, I would definitely check out um, their album Little Seeds. And then another one is Green Sky Bluegrass. And um, by their by their name, you you would rightly assume they're bluegrass centric, but they're much more than that. Um, they um, their sound is very unique to their genre, and you could almost call them kind of like rock and roll slash bluegrass. So like if you go to a show, they could cover Fish, they could cover Prince. And they have done that. I've seen them do that. And they have their own, um, their own. Uh, they think they have five or six albums, which are all equally uh, very, very good. They are super hot right now. I saw them in 2012 in a bar that had maybe 300 people capacity. They sold out two shows at the Vic Theater capacity 2,500 in Chicago um, last year, and they did it again this year. Um, so they're just blown up, and. It, and they play Red Rocks, so they're going to play Red Rocks this summer, just to give you an idea of, of how big they're getting. So Green Sky Bluegrass, Shovels and Rope, and uh, I'm trying to think maybe it's something else. Um, I, no, I, I, I would stick with them, dive in there, and I think you'll be um, I think you'll be pleased. Speaking of Jason Isbell, I'm, I'm really excited yeah. about the new album. I've liked I've liked what I've heard from it so far. It's more of a return to his uh, his rock roots, supposedly, which is ironic considering the album's going to be called Nashville Sound. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. Um, well, Gage, um, this isn't going to be your last appearance on the podcast. I think it is going really well. Uh, I think we had a good flow with it. Um, you definitely love my morning jacket or knowledgeable on it, and that came through. And so. It was a good time, um, so I, yeah. I, I appreciate you being on. And uh, before we sign off, everybody, like I said earlier, go to Twitter, follow us on Digital Killed, Instagram, Digital Killed, the Radio Star Podcast, and uh, subscribe via iTunes and leave us a uh, rating and review. Um, that will help us um, 
maybe get some of the people that uh, we think we have a shot at getting on here in the future. But um, we need uh, a few more listeners before we can do that. But we do thank everybody for listening. And uh, Chris will be back next week. And I think our topic next week is we're going to talk about, uh, I think between me and Chris, we saw about seven bands uh, this past week. So we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening.